Everybody, welcome to episode 276 with, uh, with um, the gentleman from the Periodic Effects. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot for joining us at the Growing with Fishes podcast. Absolutely, happy to be on with you guys. We also have our co-host Marty. Hey, how's it going? Welcome, Wayne. Hey, welcome. And I'm your host, uh, Stephen Raisner of the Potent Ponics podcast. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us, everybody, this evening. We have a really cool episode. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar, the uh, Periodic Effects is a really cool, more medical-oriented podcast. They have a lot of doctors and PhDs and uh, more of those types of, of uh, people from academia on their show uh, compared to a lot of the other podcasts. So I think it'll be a really cool episode for you guys tonight. Um, also, be sure to check out apmjclass.com if you guys are look, interested in uh, learning about aquaponic cannabis in a, a more formal uh, uh, setting. All right. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us this evening. Um, you have a really, really cool podcast. Um, people can find that over at PeriodicEffects.com. Let me put that up on the screen here for everybody. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar, it is one of the better podcasts out there in terms of the science. Um, there's no uh, magic crystal stuff on there or, you know, energy, anyway, any of the hocus pocus that you see on some of the other uh, uh, sources out there on, on information on cannabis. Um, so tell us a little about yourself and um, and how you got started with your podcast. You've been going for, uh, you got 253 episodes. You're, you know, pretty close to us as well in terms of number of episodes. So you've yeah, been doing yeah. this a long time and uh, it's great to see some other people putting out a ton of great content. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Time seems to fly pretty quick. I think we started the podcast 2017, so almost five years now. Um, and then I originally got into cannabis on the medical side in the organ days, so I started an edible company um, in 2015 and then went through a couple years there and got the rec license when Oregon um, went recreational. Uh, it was like early 2017 and started the podcast at the same time um, and really started it because of just being a small like bootstrapped company. Um, so I self-financed the business and we kind of grew off the um, cash flow we made from the medical days to be able to afford the license and you know all the regulations and security system that went along with going rec and then uh, started the podcast um, YouTube channel a little bit later but really to try to build an audience and just put out you know good education and kind of build the brand that way as we didn't have a lot of extra money to spend on you know big advertising or billboards or you know some of the other marketing strategies you'll see from the the bigger companies. And so that's really why we started it. And then just did it on something that I kind of aligned with and that I enjoy, which is like chemistry and kind of the more uh, science look at things and uh, just kind of kept that theme. And yeah, it's been, I can't believe it's been five years now. Sometimes it feels like yesterday and then <laughs> sometimes it feels like forever. So. <laughs> yeah, I know we, uh, Marty and I were talking the other day about how it's crazy, how long and uh, how long, how quickly time goes by. And then just, you know, you don't really realize it when you're just doing an episode each week and kind of that kind of thing. It, how yeah, many amazing. episodes you end up doing, and you're like, holy! You look back and you're like, man, how the <laughs> heck did we get to 200 or whatever? You know? Yeah, it adds up. And the industry, like things change so fast. I think that sometimes it feels like it's been even way longer sometimes as 
yeah, there's just so much change going on constantly, which I don't think you really, especially with legalization efforts and states and all everything that's coming online now, you don't see that in too many other places. No, it's one of the things I love about cannabis and botany in general. You know, I, I worked in IT for a while and that was pretty stale. Yeah, another, had a, it wasn't until another operating system or some other thing came out that you had anything exciting to think about. Whereas in cannabis, yeah. there's new stuff every single week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Not going to slow down anytime soon either. No, you've had a lot of uh, amazing episodes. What are some of the different episodes that you've had so, uh, along the way that really stood out or, or more um, yeah, yeah, man, we've had so many, I think, uh, so some of the doctors and PH, I, I think I've been surprised by some that have been kind of came from like anti-cannabis or they were at least doing like the harm focused studies in the past, um, like even in the 90s. And then to see them now, like how they talk about it and they're researching like the benefits side of things. And then, you know, what was it like behind the scenes? Um, it's kind of fascinating to see like the <clears throat> back end of the war on drugs of people that lived in kind of both areas, um, you know, kind of from that research and science side. Uh, so those, I don't know any specific ones. I mean, some, we'd go down some rabbit holes that uh, get interesting. I think the, the one I know for sure is that when we had a celebrity on, we had Jim Belushi on the podcast because he's got his grow in Southern Oregon. And of course, my mom's like the biggest Jim Belushi fan and watch the TV shows. So for her, I know that was uh, definitely the big, one of the biggest moments. <laughs> she liked that one. He, he is really popular in the area. So I, I live pretty close to him. You know, nice, yeah. So he's over in Eagle Point. And, yep. uh, and he, he's got a pretty solid um, sort of love-hate relationship with, with, you know, like most people love him, you know, and then some people really hate him. And, yeah. and I'm sure some of those are just haters that are probably jealous on multiple levels. But, you know, of right. course, everybody wants to you know, and the, and the grower community wants to sort of come at him, I'm sure. But yeah, I think, um, but he has done some, I, and I, I'm going to say him, I don't, I don't know if it's like actually him, but obviously his company has done a fair amount of outreach in the community. And I think the show has been overall positive. I know he gets pretty crazy on there. But, oh, the TV show. Part, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, for the most part, um, I feel like he's, you know, he's represented himself relatively well in, in the industry. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, yeah, I think it's been all right. I think it's been good. Yeah, I think definitely more so than a lot of the celebrity brands that we've seen come through. They're definitely, most are just kind of slapping their name on a white label product and then trying to get it into as many stores as possible. So it's cool to see at least someone do, do it a little different, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, sure. pretty large operations in Oklahoma out here. So I know that's where most oh, of yeah. the grows are, so. Yeah. Yeah, now he's outside of Oregon. I haven't talked to him in a while, though. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are some of the more memorable, um, lesser-known cannabinoid or terpene uh, episodes that you've covered? Because you've covered a lot of cool stuff down that space as well. Yeah. I think the I did a series where I went through Dr. Ethan Russo's paper. Um, what was it called? Likely sus or the usual suspects and a few friends or something like that. I don't know if you guys have seen that paper, but he basically goes through every, not every, but top 20 cannabinoids, then terpenes. There's like a page or two on each. So I basically read that and kind of added in, you know, thoughts or what I've heard in the industry. I think an interesting one is like beta-caryophylline um, seems to like really mimic like cannabinoids more so than like a lot of the other terpenes. 
Um, so I think that's interesting and potentially, you know, what those effects could lead to, or, you know, taking lower doses, but if it's high in beta caryophylline, you're seeing like, you know, stronger effects like you would from a higher THC potentially. Um, I find those pretty interesting. And then I, it still seems really underdeveloped um, just because when you're talking about like ailments, it's kind of the rec side, but, you know, from the ailment side, specific sleep or pain or something, um, it's really hard to figure out. There's just kind of general uh, categorizations of them. But, you know, how much of a certain terpene with another cannabinoid and like what consumption method, I feel like there's just not hardly any clarity on, on stuff like that, you know? Yeah, and, uh, you know, what's always odd to me is that the funkier terpene profiles seem to be the ones that are the most notable when I smoke them. In fact, we just had a, a, a strain that I got called um, Wook Stomper. And it's super high in uh, transneridol and cisneridol, yeah. which is super, super rare to have it have those two as the dominant ones, right? Like, the only time that I've ever seen that. Um, and I had that and beta caryophylline, I think, are the top three. Yeah. Um, which really, really not not common. But that thing hits like a freight train. That hits harder than a lot of my dabs do. Yeah. For that. And I love it. <laughs> do they have the percentages yeah. of each terpene on there, or was it just shown the top ones? Yeah, I can pull it up. One second. Yeah. So this is. That's an interesting combo. I don't think yeah. I've seen. I've seen that terpene, but I haven't seen it dominant. I don't think in a strain before, let alone the both of them. There you go. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. transneridol, beta caryophylline, yeah. limonene, cisneridol, yeah. and then humulin. Nice, so. decent amount in there too. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. That's Again, a good not spread. Ever, but not bad. Really interesting profile for sure. Yeah. And that was yeah. as well. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. For myself, I've kind of, I've, I just really go for the citrus smell. Um, there's still, there's a few in Oregon that are terpene testing, but it's not required. So you don't always see it, um, on the strains and stuff, but I like terpinaline, limonene, um, kind of those citrus ones, a little pinene or something. I seem to like more personally. You also covered um, THCO recently in one of your episodes. Do you want to touch a little bit about that? I always find that interesting, especially because of the, the questionable legality on it as compared to all those other synthetic cannabinoids, THCO is the only one that's been prosecuted at the federal level, whereas none of the other ones have, which is oh, why I always warn people about that because um, they first, the DEA first found that, what was it in 1970, I believe it was? was the first one, but the, it was originally developed in 1955 by the government. Um, yeah. That was their aerosol, uh, aerosolized version. They were trying to use like an, a crop duster basically to, to overspray uh, enemy troops and make them yeah. so high they couldn't fight, which is a genius idea in terms of, uh, I think, you know, it's like the opposite of a nuke, right? Just make everyone so high, right. walk up, take their gun away. Hey, we're, we're good, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but uh that yeah, interesting. But yeah, what, what did you find in your episode? Because that was a really cool episode. What I was listening to some of your different stuff the last couple of days for getting ready for this episode. I thought that yeah. was great. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, THCO. I, I did want to ask, do you know what it was pro at the federal level? I hadn't heard that story. What was it? The yeah, prosecution case? People have been prosecuted for manufacturing it. Manufacturing it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think with that one, I think we titled that episode like THCO. What's the point? 
And it seemed to pop. I mean, obviously, none of those really would happen, I think, if you just had cannabis access, like your Delta 9, regular THC. So I think it's filling a lot of those markets that don't have a cannabis program, kind of a need there. But it really seemed to pop more than some of the other synthetics because it was apparently more potent or 4x times as potent. But then when I, who I had on, um, I can't remember who the guest was, but I remember them saying it was like one study and it was partially, you know, it was only replicated once and it was in a Petri dish, I think. And then I understanding, like from talking to scientists, when you see that study or some kind of statement like that in the headline, it's like, well, was it done in a Petri dish? Petri dish? And then it, if so, maybe it was only done once, not multiple times again, maybe, but then you move up to like the animal model. And then eventually the human, like actual humans consuming it and testing that. Um, so I think it got that headline and that story of being like super potent and just took off with popularity because of that. But I don't know if the evidence for that strong. And then at the same time, if you could just get Delta nine, what's the point of taking a synthetic with potentially other chemicals or, you know, where's that coming from? There's no regulations really over that side of things on the hemp industry. Um, so you're just taking a huge risk with trying some of that stuff. First, here's the, this is the first mention of it in writing, uh, was actually from cannabis alchemy, the art of modern hash making, which you can find, uh, online. Um, actually I'll throw a link in chat if anyone's interested in it, but it's nice, an old nice. book that's out of publish publication, but this was published in 1970 and they cover, um, the synthesis of it. But I, I just, I thought that was always interesting to kind of just as you know, Delta eight's never been prosecuted at the federal level. A lot of these right. other ones haven't, but, but THCO is, and it's one of the ones where huh. all the riskiness of all, you know, that's the one I always tell people to avoid just for that reason. Yeah. Wasn't there something with it? I don't recall with it's processing, but I think it takes a pretty um, dangerous chemical, like a solvent. That... Acetylenohydride. Yeah. yeah. So it's really dangerous on the production side too. Yeah. 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 So, huh. but, uh, but this is the first first paper or first book that has it. And That's interesting. Cover. There you go. Oh, cool! Can't me. That was 1970s. You said. 1970. Yeah, awesome. Yep. It's crazy. I think the government, you know, discovered it in '55, wasn't it, when they tried to use it um, or were testing it? So that's only 15 years later, where it because it got this, out into the mainstream or not mainstream, but at least into the public sphere. And this goes over a bunch of different extraction methods, uh, ethanol extraction and menthol extraction and a bunch of other yeah. things. Yeah. Pretty cool. But it's, you know, way, way, a lot of stuff that people think of is now also has CBD to THC conversions uh, and other things. So way, yeah. way ahead of its time. Yeah. That book would be a bestseller if it came out right now with all the hemp businesses trying to figure that right. stuff out. <laughs> yeah. well, a lot of this chemistry has been like further refined or changed or yeah. you can't get those base ingredients anymore for a slew of different reasons yeah i mean hco has got a lot of similar ingredients to meth mm. so there's that yeah Try <laughs> to regulate those a little more <laughs> um what what are some of the other um uh you know uh more interesting topics that you got you know i always find it's interesting some of the different uh uh, topics that sometimes when we have guests on, we don't realize that they also know about this other thing. What are some of the other uh, interesting topics that you've had come up on your show over the years? 
Um, let's see. Well, we've done a few episodes outside of cannabis. I'm still like, I guess you'd say plant medicine, but some of the psychedelics and you've got Oregon that's uh, legalizing a medicinal um, psilocybin program right now that's supposed to come out. Hey, there's a video. <laughs> um, and so that's going to be interesting. But some of the brain chemistry of like, especially the endocannabinoid system that we all have in our bodies and like so critical for so many different functions of just everything in the body that happens. And the fact that it's not, it was barely discussed or talked about in like medical school um, over the past, you know, however many decades. And so a system that's so critical in the body and like you literally couldn't survive without it. Um, if it's not in balanced, you know, mood sweat, like so much, you don't sleep as well. You don't feel healthy. You're not healthy. Um, and then most doctors, like, unless they're interested in cannabis, like barely have heard of this. And we produce our own cannabinoids in our body that are like very similar, uh, to phytocannabinoids from the plant. Um, so that's interesting because if cannabinoids are illegal, everybody's walking around with cannabinoids inside their body. Um, yeah, I think some of that stuff about the endocannabinoid system has been pretty interesting to learn about and the lack of education around it. So um, you've had a chance to interview, you know, again, primarily more people with PhDs and, and uh, an academic background. Um, you've also interviewed some other people that, that didn't have that background. What do you kind of, uh, what do you think is kind of different about your show and, and kind of the content of your show being much more, um, I guess, more formal and more academic than a lot of the others? Uh, yeah. I really appreciate listening to the show for that reason. Uh, what are some of the different things that you think kind of makes it stand <clears throat> out? Some of the different things by interviewing those type of people that kind of um, you know, is more, adds a lot of additional insight compared to some of the other shows that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of happened <clears throat> organically. So when we started, that wasn't really our focus. We kind of mixed like business and science and we still do some business episodes, but not very often. Um, and then when we did the science ones, we started at like the base level. So it was like, what is a terpene? What is THC? What is a cannabinoid? And after about a year, I mean, there's still so much to talk about with cannabis, but I felt like we had that base really pretty well known, kind of like what a lot of bud tenders know or what you might get in training if you started in the cannabis industry. And then from there, it was like, well, we didn't want to keep recovering like kind of the 101 topics. I mean, they're there. If anyone wants to go in the back, you know, catalog and listen to them, they can. And then because I like the science and the chemistry side so much, I was like, well, let's just keep building on top of this. And it was kind of good timing with where the industry's at, at least in the last couple of years, is that all of these doctors and PhDs um, are much more like open and fine with coming on like publicly and talking about their research. And there's just way more of it um, going on. So anytime we see like an interesting study, there was one recently about uh, COVID and CBD, um, CBD potentially like stopping the replication of COVID or entering the cells or something. So like, people talk about that, like, well, the people that did the research, let's see if they'll come on as a guest. Um, and so that's kind of how we find guests and topics now is just looking for like new papers, studies. Um, and there's just more of it and more of it coming out. And at this point, like we just have like guests lined up and it's been like they finding people to come on the show is the easy part. Um, it's kind of trying to find like legitimate people because there's also a gray area you know of people researching or and some people want to promote a product more than they want to like educate and just talk about the science um so kind of filtering for that but yeah it just kind of led into itself from starting with that like 101 science uh 
type content that we covered. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna. That was one of my questions for you. Is uh, how, you know, have you had a hard time getting in a lot of these more uh, um, of those types of guests on compared to some of your other uh, guests and business guests, or has that been uh, really easy as far as getting the the especially these people putting out white papers all the time. I know sometimes they can get really swamped. With yeah. Requests. Yeah. It's surprisingly hasn't been too difficult. Some people um, we've tried for a while and it just hasn't lined up, but at least we're talking with them. It's I think a lot of people that are actually, especially like scientists really focused on cannabis. They're looking for a show or they don't get requests maybe often to like to an audience that already knows kind of those one ones that we talked about and like really wants to dive into it. Versus if they went on just like a mainstream thing or whatever, it'd be very kind of surface level for them. Um, so maybe they're more interested because of that uh, kind of a show where we can just sit for an hour, hour and a half and go over it. But yeah, finding guests hasn't been too, too difficult, but just coordinating schedules and time sometimes is, yeah, the hardest part. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, welcome, Fumador. How's it going, bud? Cheers, guys. Uh, nice to see you. Uh, nice to meet you, uh, Wayne. Uh, nice to hear about a new podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear about your uh, kind of science-oriented podcast and the fact that you have uh, uh, really interesting... We've been talking about, I think Poten and I both have been talking about getting the, the kind of guests that I think you have regularly on your show. I've been talking about getting more on my show. Uh, for sure, I, I, you know, I can speak for myself. Uh, most of the time, I get like breeders and stuff like that because I, I, I try not to... Yeah. Uh, tread this fine line basically of turning into like a sponsored show or like an infomercial or whatever else you mm -hmm. know what i mean because i literally pay to run the show i'm not actually paid to run the show yeah so it'd be a really strange uh, dynamic not to mention even if i was paid to run the show like you know if it turns into like this whole sponsored thing people are going to feel it right so i'm always trying to have these kind of spontaneous interesting discussions and the only person the, the only people that i could think of to do it was with like breeders and stuff but you have an even better idea like the actual soil, soil scientists and plant scientists and the thing is like those people are actually really really happy to talk to folks that know what they're talking about uh, potent and i were over with dr efren Cazares a couple mm. weeks ago and he was happy as a freaking clam to talk about us or talk yeah. about you know mycology and everything because we weren't asking them like so what's a mushroom bro yeah. you know so I, I dig it. I'm not going to keep talking, but I, I dig what you're saying. Cheers, dude. Yeah. No, that's awesome. It, I've, it's funny because I've almost slightly tried to stay away from like growing and genetics and breeding because I'm not as I don't not the, from that side of it. And I haven't done that. Um, they're still really interested. But sometimes I worry if growers are listening, they're like, you're at you're not asking the right questions or, you know, because I don't know it as well. But but like on the like the body side or the endo, like I think we could do a whole episode on like how. THC connects to the CB1 receptor and like we'll have a guest on that's super focused on that and just like spend an hour on like that one question um so it's fun yeah doing that and just goes down different rabbit holes and stuff like that yeah it's a lot of fun um uh, awesome uh shoot I lost my train of thought I had a question I'll keep <laughs> And then I had a bit of a brain for, oh, um, so you had a, a couple of questions that you had. Uh, uh, so uh, you talked about uh, before we were on, on air about um, one of the main reasons why people, small businesses shut down about having to do with uh, two, uh, 280E. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think that's, you know, there's definitely a big conversation of like, especially legacy growers or people that built the industry and then, you know, big money comes in they're selling that a lot. They can afford to lose a lot of money. Um, they, you know, price cut and kind of come in with, you know, whatever product they have. And I think, you know, there's, 
a lot of times, and I'm a small business, so I like know, know it from that side. We look at big money and we're like, well, that's the reason all these small businesses fail. Um, and especially we're going to see that in cannabis. Like at this point, it's just good. It is happening and it's going to keep happening. But I think the tax issue um, at the federal government level is going to be more responsible for killing small businesses uh, than big money coming in at this point. Because like I said, if you're big money, you can lose a lot of money for many years and keep operating. Most of the small businesses, if you lose money for two years, a year or two in a row, three years, like you're kind of at the end of your rope and the tax issue, you know, especially dispensaries. But with that tax issue, we're getting taxed like 70, 60 to 80 percent um, on our net profit, which is like, you know, I don't think socialist countries are taxed that high. You know, if you go to like the Norway or Sweden or wherever, I think they're like 40, 50 percent. So um, small businesses, that tax just kills you because that's all your money to reinvest. That's all your extra, like it's everything. It's all that you're almost all your profit, you know, when you're talking about 70, 80%, it's crazy. And the big company right. can lose that money for five years until the market's washed out and consolidated. That's, that's pretty much Oregon to a T. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The way it exists right now. And, and especially with the, you know, the flooded market this year, you know, so many people that, you know, can't survive that are are gonna yeah. take it again this year so i think you'll see another big drop off in growers another consolidation mm -hmm. of uh you know of growers to even fewer hands yeah and i think oregon actually did a good job for as best i've really seen of like all the states for small businesses and washington and like they've done good as well but when you look at like the east coast like the cost of a license like when they cap the licenses you know at a small number um, and then you mix in the tax code, like there's no way a small business can even start in that environment. So Oregon at least kept the cost fairly low in comparison, but I mean, that's the federal government tax issue, right? They, no state can do anything about that until they federally legalize that won't change until that happens. So, you know, it's a right. lot of money they're making off it now being federally illegal, which is kind of crazy that they, it's weird because they, you know, I could still get raided or that cash is made from an illegal source, but the government will take that tax money knowing exactly what I do, the federal government that is. And it's kind of, I don't know, seems like a weird contradiction to me. Yeah, definitely strange, especially with the, the go ahead, Marty. Oh no, go, go ahead. Oh yeah, I mean, I remember how weird it was to pay taxes back in the Colorado days when REC first went legal. And, you know, we had to basically play a shell game with the banks and stuff. And they'd close one of our banks almost weekly yeah. uh, and they'd open another account. We had a guy that was dedicated just, <laughs> just getting bank accounts, accounts basically. It's crazy. It crazy. It's horrible. And they were supposed to give us uh, banking, you know, back. What was the first, uh, the first one that came through was like SB 2050 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. No, though, uh, the, that was the original legalization one, I think. And this, the one that came through afterwards so that gave them and established cannabis as an agricultural crop and allowed them to add regulations on government and city levels uh, to the plant itself and effectively being able to regulate the medical market, which they weren't supposed to be able to do based on the original bill. So I do think it was on purpose. I think all of it's on purpose. They want to consolidate it down. They want to kill small growers um which they've effectively done you know it, it's uh it's yeah 
it's bleak out here. There's a, there's a lot of equipment for sale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Seems to be the case everywhere. Well, any state that's been more open or was early to small businesses. Yeah. Right. It is kind of the, you see this kind of over and over again in different states. I saw this in Colorado, you know, you kind of have this huge boom in the beginning and then year two or three, it kind of, there's kind of too many businesses and they kind of weed out the people that aren't that good at it or that don't have the money enough to, to lose money for a year or two, just like you're saying. Uh, and then it kind of thins down the market a little bit. And then they, you know, usually change the regulations a little bit to be a little more strict. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of the natural evolution of regulation in a lot of these places. But now you're seeing it in California where it's completely collapsed the market. I mean, was it Mendo's was suspending 85% of the taxes? Um, oh, really? we'll see what the rest of california does but at least some of the different jurisdictions are starting to move in the right direction in california but they got to stop seeing this as like a you know infinite cash cow it's just a commodity like yeah. they really really can't keep you know treating it the way that they have it i mean illinois is even worse on taxes than california you know what how's their market supposed to survive yeah, you know, and yeah. then and better yet compete with the black market like forget it right it will, Why would yeah. you buy it for it's $90 like, when you can buy it for 35 It's like Canada, you know, Canada did a terrible job of federally legalizing, which, yeah, I mean, all those huge companies, you got like maybe 20 of them, you know, all that money, you know, when you could add small businesses, build up the industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they wanted to do it the right way, they'd put go back to the one acre cap or two acre cap, something, something reasonable like that. And then have a huge amount of jobs. You know, you have a huge job pro jobs program that would be larger than any other jobs program in the last fifty or seventy years. Yeah, you know, in the United States. Yeah, and that would bring in way more revenue. I mean, if they lowered taxes they, and set some of those kind of things to help small businesses, ultimately it brings them more money because the industry is more um, built up, more diversified. And it just gets bigger and people don't go to the black market because they don't need to. You know, people will pay a little bit more for tested and quality and packaged, you know, and just that um, certainty of it. But they're not going to pay triple the price, you know. Well, not only that, but little people spend their money in their community. Uh, the big companies spend their money somewhere else or don't spend their mm -hmm. money at all and just reinvest in some other location in South Africa or something at their new facility. This is something we saw in California, too, where uh, uh, at the conference, people were talking about, man, we used to see so much cash being dropped. Uh, Kevin Jodry was talking about how the people, the best customers were the cultivators. They were the one buying the baller packs and the crazy rosin and the fresh frozen such and such and the blah, 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 mm -hmm. and the jackets and the sweaters and everything else. And uh, the money was filtering basically everywhere. There were basically people buying arts and crafts because somewhere down the line, someone basically bought some weed, sold some weed, whatever. And there was money just sifting down the whole system. Whereas yeah. now the big companies that are taking over the existing production, I mean, there's still obviously weed production in California. They are offshore. They're Canadian companies. They're somewhere else. They're taking their money somewhere else and literally building a new facility somewhere else. And so that money is just vacuumed out of the community. You know, this is something yeah. that people always forget about so-called trickle down economics it never fucking works whereas local economics really works when you actually literally pay small people to do small projects and so and so forth then the money filters around really well and everyone basically does better but anyway. yeah no i couldn't agree more and it's kind of aggravating too when you hear like you know the minimum wage has been a big conversation um like around portland where we're at i think they raised it a little bit but you know not the whole state but our minimum, like I hire people starting at $15 an hour and they're talking about trying to get minimum wage up to maybe 15 in the city, but outside it's not. And it, well, every small business I know, when you actually see someone, right, you, you pay more. And 
I guarantee like my team of employees is way more effective than a big company, but I don't have that massive scale. So I can pay them more because they're actually their productivity or whatever you want to call it. It's better than someone at a big corporation, much higher, but you know, scale is a thing and buying power. And when you've got, again, tons of money to lose for a while, it's hard to compete with that when you're actually just trying to run a profitable business from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the market's really changed in so many ways. I mean, fuck, who would have thought Oklahoma would be leading the way in the industry? Like, what the fuck happened? That was weird. I, I was told that apparently one of the key decision makers had a daughter or a cousin that had some kind of illness and cannabis, like saved her, made a huge difference. And he was like, we're rolling this thing open. And it was like, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, it's what I'd heard. So just someone's that's personal just plausible experience. enough to be true. I have to be honest. That's really just plausible enough that's to be really true. There's a certain kind of politics in this country whereby if it happened to me, then it's important. Otherwise, right, right. Yeah. 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 Oklahoma's crazy. Who would have ever thought why, like, they would have rolled out such a liberal, like open, you know, program to support the industry. Crazy. That's how, that's how heartless, literally heartless Dick Cheney supports gay marriage. You know? Dude, I was just going to say that. I was going to say the same thing. Like, you know, until it happens to you, everybody's, you know, <laughs> can't yeah. understand. It's like hard, hard to have empathy. So, um, so some of those people, I'm glad they're on board, but I have some questions for them when yeah. they come on board. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm glad you're here now, but where the fuck have you been kind of yeah. um, situation. So, they're you know, edge sword, I guess. They're trying to do some more regulations in Oklahoma. They're also trying to pass REC. I don't yeah. know. We'll see what happens. I think there's a lot of pushback. Right now, everyone's pretty happy with how things are. So it's like... Let it ride. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, Arguably, they've had way better success with their sort of very open policies than other states have had with their extremely restrictive ones. You know, everyone is, you know, waiting for it to collapse with the overload and everything else. And yeah, there's not, you know, obviously there's a huge infrastructure that exists already in Oregon and California and all the like it, it took, Cal you know, Colorado even longer to sort of implode before, uh, you know, the other ones, I, I feel like they matured a lot faster because there were so many people just already growing here, like simply, you know, just created a huge amount of influx. But, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I do think that they arguably, if you're just looking at it from a numbers perspective, that Oklahoma has done far better uh, in terms of maintaining a stable market than any of the other states so far. Mm. On that legalization in South Carolina, formally passed a, a thing i think it has to go through one more round of voting but it looks like it's going to pass for medical in south carolina really? you know, that's going to be a uh, a great one as well yeah i wonder when this federal legalization is going to happen and like i think the biggest concern now is the people that have maybe opened up to it or like if that person in oklahoma that key decision maker was the reason that opened up like that like who's deciding federal regulations you know there's a couple like organizations now and you know some of the bigger msos are kind of like leading that conversation it sounds it seems like to me so you know is yeah. the federal government going to let the states kind of build the industry up or are they going to put some like sweeping black and white rules in place that uh potentially would, make things even worse i would love to see a federal two acre cap but that ain't gonna happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> no no, that's but, not uh, I, you know, 
I, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I think that if we don't like collectively as a community, like just get our shit together, stop infighting and put pool our money in for some lobbyists in DC. Like that's neat. It's like critical that we do that in the next few months and figure out a way that we can work together with a bunch of different communities to make that happen financially. I think, uh, and you maybe even do like get a bunch of breeders together, you know, so figure out some kind of solution to that because that's the only way we're going to win that fight. You know, you see this yeah. uh, over and over again where, you know, the people that are the lobbyists are getting in the, you know, whispering in the ears of the politicians and the people that are getting what they want. So yeah, uh, that's the solution. It's hard to organize like, like growers or anyone in the industry. Cause everyone's like competing at the same time. And then, you know, it's not centralized in a few companies, I've always, I almost wonder if like a patient group could fight for small businesses or the small growers because they are directly affected by that and the medical regulations that are going to come out after federal legalization, you know, is like an indirect way, like support them, you know, donate there where they're kind of, you know, they don't not tied to a specific company, but maybe their voice and would be listened to more because, you know, people have soft spot for patients as they should. So I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to figure out how that could be done or won. You know, I guess big money. We need a Mandalorian style grower skills. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Did you ever um, take your mask off? Are you asking me? Take no. The Mandalorian's never supposed to take his mask off. Oh, so with the, in, the, in our growers guild, we're supposed to have some rules. Oh, I see. You gotta yeah. have rules, right? For guild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got it now. <laughs> So tell us about yourself and, and some of the different things that you do in the aside from the podcast and the cannabis community, because you do a bunch of cool stuff as well. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, from the like career business side, it really is. Yeah. the You know, in the business podcast and those things like that's pretty much most all of my days. But outside of that, just being in Oregon, like a lot of outdoors, you know, I grew up like uh, skiing. I actually grew up in the Midwest where there's like our local skill was a trash dump that they covered with dirt and uh, put a chairlift on. But now that being on the Northwest is like amazing out here. So it's pretty much work most of the day. And on the weekends, try to go up to the mountain in the winter or, you know, ocean or rivers in the summer and uh, keep repeating that cycle. It's been working so far. So it's good to be in an area where you can get out, you know, Portland's pretty small city, I guess, in comparison, but you know, like our drive, you're at a ski resort or something. So that's pretty uh, nice to yeah. be out here. Yumi yeah. runs a, uh, a cannabis tasting society there in, in Portland. Uh, you have to come by and maybe it'll start uh, up. I was just talking to somebody today. We're losing the mask mandates in uh, the end of March. So I'm like, man, we might actually Supposed start to. Uh, doing events. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Of course there'll be some new fucking variant that comes along. This is yeah. the face eating variant or some shit yeah yeah yeah. knock on wood that's not gonna happen we're gonna open right back yeah back to getting the mass off yeah it's gonna be weird to be back to normal right it's been so fucking long like it was there was a wasn't there like a period of like three weeks or something i remember i'm like did we already take the mass off once and then we did once and then put (laughs) it right back on yeah Yeah. i don't even think it was three weeks i think you're right it was like two and a half three weeks i just got used to it again like having it off like walking into a store yeah and then i had to get yeah right back so well, yeah, there is end in sight, hopefully. Yeah, we found the only open port, uh, cannabis lounge in all of Portland when I was there a couple weeks ago. Flight so, lounge, and the the owner is a woman gamer. That was fucking that was hilarious. Ah, nice, just awesome. they're waiting to 
slam on the uh, battlefield. I think. Anyway. Where the, did they have gaming set up? Like TVs and they stuff. Did, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. I think they have. Yeah, they, I want to say they have like uh, VR and stuff. Yeah, they're sure. trying to get people to come in and just kind of chill for the whole, the whole day. You know. I might have seen that. Hours. What's the? Do you know the, the name of that one? Flight Lounge. Yeah, it's all right. It's a small mm -hmm. place. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a nice place. It's on the smaller side, but they can still fit like. Uh, I think they were telling us like twenty or forty or fifty people. It'd be a little bit crowded with like fifty people, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's like a whole. I think they have an Airbnb upstairs. Uh, I don't know how many units, maybe one or two units, and then downstairs cool. basically is like the the lounge area. They used to have another location over on. Um, I don't quite remember, but anyway, somewhere over by Foster. But I guess they can close that one down. So. Hmm. Sixtieth and Sandy now. Hmm. Right next hmm. to uh, Floyd's or Lloyd's Cannabis. Which is actually oh, yeah. one of the cheaper places to get cannabis around town. That they have like five dollar eighths and stuff. It's yeah. crazy when I see those signs. Cost. I know. Yeah. Right? Isn't that blow you away? And uh, someone says like a ninety dollar eighth, and you're like, "What? Yeah. What are you talking about? I, I mean, he said that I believe you because I've heard of these prices from Illinois, like just these bonkers Insane. prices. Yeah. Ninety dollars for an eighth. That means that it would cost me like forty five dollars per joint. Yeah. Or at least if I if I rolled a small one, I would end up probably rolling small ones better, for that kind of fucking cost. I would end be up having damn to pay good. thirty dollar <laughs> joints. Yeah. Thirty dollar. Yeah. But thirty dollar joints of basically dispensary weed, which is. And I bet you the quality. Quality is probably shit too. You know. That's it. Yeah, I didn't want to say that out loud, but yeah, it's basically yeah. going to be pretty swaggy, and it's going to cost me thirty bucks per joint. Nah. Not to mention, I regularly smoke a quarter a day, so that would cost me a hundred and fucking. I don't even want. I don't even want to count, yeah. count anymore. I don't want to count that much money. <laughs> there's a weird. There's <laughs> Every a, day of my life, I'd have to smoke that much. That would be ridiculous. There's a weird, like, kind of ironicness to it, though, is that those states like Illinois that do that, big money's gonna move in. They think it's lucrative. They're all gonna right. get destroyed, just like Canada. Yeah. Every bit, one of those publicly traded companies is going under. They like, they've been yeah. going under. Yeah, where they lose like 150 million a quarter or something. It's insane. And meanwhile, what what's the disconnect then? What do you think? They didn't have any cannabis growers in them. That was the problem. They right. had a bunch of kids right. they hired that had horticultural degrees, and none of them knew how to grow weed. And you saw this over and over again. One of those large operations, I don't remember, Canopy or Aurora, got wiped out because they double dosed nutrients in a day. Because one, one head grower, they had two head growers, and both of them dosed the place. Yet another one that was built directly next to an airport. And no one put the, the, the thought through on the HVAC as to make sure that it would handle the air, air, airplane exhaust, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, this is, like, really basic shit that, like, any, you know, experienced cannabis greenhouse person would, would have thought, you know, uh, or, or had procedures that would have prevented either one of those from happening. This is just crazy. It's like but really what was it? They were too cocky shit. and from a business mindset, or what was it? They weren't receptive to, to weed growth? Because oh, I have heard that, that they basically were very, uh, uh, many of these corporate types, the suit types, were very unreceptive to traditional grower types because they thought that they were just, uh, I don't know, black market pirates or something. Is that Was that basically it, or was it something else? Yeah, basically they, they kind of looked down on the cannabis culture, and they think we don't know anything because we have dreadlocks or whatever else, and then they, re you know, kill a few crops. I took over, I'm not going to name the company, but I took over uh, operations temporarily for one of the larger Canadian operations uh, up in the Toronto area uh, after they had four failed runs before uh, I did with the company that I built that. How do you fail four times in a row? I don't understand like, that, yeah. I can't fathom that. Like, I just, it's not that ow. hard to grow weed. I don't, yeah, it blows my mind. 
Yeah. I mean, was it synthetic? What were they doing? Was it aquaponics? Synthetic? It was well, aquaponics. Yeah. Well, I could see fucking up an aquaponics system, but that's so. Uh, uh, I don't know, it's so brazen to basically build out an aquaponics setup if you don't know what you're doing or if you didn't have somebody on staff that knew well, what they were doing. there's companies that are all too happy to... Build know, it out for you. ...put <laughs> smoke up your asshole. You know, that, that's the problem. In fact, about a 40% of my yearly um, work is is unfucking other people's systems or, or stuff that was just... They were told completely wrong on how to manage it for you know, either pest management-wise or... Or nutrient-wise, do the people that tell them wrong things? Because I think we've we've had these conversations a little bit, you know, maybe behind the scenes. But do the people who give this wrong advice just continually perpetuate that wrong advice? Do they never get called out on it? I mean, it's not even that. A lot of them, a lot of the academic stuff in the field is is wrong, right? And compared to like commercial production, and now that we're doing so much in cannabis, we actually have the extra money to do a little bit of R&D that the lettuce guys have never had the money to do. And because with cannabis, we're testing for all these secondary metabolites and essential oil production and all this other stuff, we can quantify the health of the plant in a way that you simply can't do with like lettuce or brassicas or some of this other stuff. So we can really dial in, you know, the happiness of the plant and the health of the plant uh, based on a, a quite a bit, a bit of those different things. Yeah, I think they also, I don't know, those states where they don't have a legacy growing industry, they start up and I think those East Coast states, like they're one, either afraid of this big industry that's like so scary. So they hyper regulate it, cap the growers to 10 or 20 thinking, well, that only means multimillionaires will come involved or maybe they're friends with some of these business people that want to get in and they're like, well, what's better than a monopoly, you know, or an oligarchy where there's very few players, but I think it just straight backfires and then they want to like increase policing to get the black market out of there. And it's like, just make a reasonable system. You don't have any of these fucking problems, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. It's definitely one of the bigger problems with the market today, for sure. Um, you'd also talked about, um, you know, why CBD products um, uh, look the same and, and why a lot of them don't work. Do you want to touch on that? I know um, a lot of the people don't know how to dose or probably dose loss of different units. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing is the different carrier oils that people bind them with, mm -hmm. they don't understand how to make them still bioavailable. So they might do a really good job of binding them in the oil. That oil is going to go right through you instead of in you. And yeah. a lot of people screw that chemistry up a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, you're exactly right on those things. And then the other thing that you see in the industry, I think because of the farm bill, and it kind of went straight to federal legalization where in cannabis, you know, there's so many small businesses like making their own products and hemp. Now, if you're a brand or you want to come online, you just white label like with a co-packer contract manufacturer, like big companies have set up with infrastructure like like you see in like food and beverage type stuff. If you want to make a drink, you know, eventually at some point you're probably like hiring a bottling company or someone else that like does it for you. And uh, so that sprung up in hemp. So basically, I think I would say like 90 to 95 percent of the products I see are just a white labeled like tincture with CBD isolate in it, because those huge companies that add like a functional ingredient, well, they want pure powder that's 99.9 percent .9 pure that they can control and easily make, you know, the same dosage in a product and make, you know, hundreds of thousands of them, millions of them. So it's kind of crazy. Like in cannabis, there's such a respect for like craft and like quality. And then on the hemp side, it's like almost now not not that it's not being respected by the consumers, 
but there's no businesses, very few, like on the hemp side that are actually making a good product. And again, with craft, like certain things like coffee craft is like could be subjective, but with cannabis, like if you're just getting a CBD isolate, there's a big difference between that and like a little bit of THC, the tur like we just looked at your terpene profile from that strain you found. If that strain only had THC isolate sprayed on it and that's all you were smoking, like who gives a shit? There's no craft, you know, to any of that. And so I, it's so many of the CBD companies, um, like most of them are just getting, putting their label on it. Someone's else making it and they're all making it just with CBD isolate, which I think kind of turns a lot of people off. They try the shit and they're like, that didn't work or this is a fad or this is snake oil. And it's right. like, well, the product you got was snake oil, but it doesn't mean the actual plant or the industry isn't, can't be legitimate. You know, it's crazy to see. Yeah. You see this a lot with the CBG and the Delta eight buds. It's basically nine times out of 10, it's low quality uh, mm -hmm. CBD. And then they just spray it with whatever cannabinoid that they wanted to, to hit on and, you know, get it tested and away they go. I heard a crazy story that a lot of the black market stuff going to like the East Coast is basically hemp sprayed with Delta eight because and the reason why that's happened, like so I heard someone say over 90 percent. That number seems really high. But what they like <laughs> the hemp you can uh, grow, obviously, legally. So they grow the hemp. They make the CBD isolate, which is legal to make. And then they convert that to Delta eight and they can move like CBD isolate or even Delta eight to different States. They can get that to the East coast and they just take their hemp, spray it with the Delta eight. And you didn't have to move truckloads of cannabis across the state, which you could get, you know, arrested for crossing state lines. Um, so I found that interesting that, yeah, they were saying a lot of the grow or the bigger operations are just growing hemp. They get it to the East coast and then they have their isolate, they convert it and spray it there. And it's way more effective cost-wise and then like risk-wise. So I heard that reason. I haven't bought black market, being in Oregon, I haven't bought black market weed in fucking forever. But, you know, if you're on the East Coast or some of those other states, like, I don't know, that sounds a little risky too. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I, I was down in Dallas and we went to a, a Delta 8 dispensary and you'd be hard pressed to tell the difference between that and, and some of the Oklahoma dispensaries. And yeah had a consumption area in the back and it was like i hope they end up doing this when they fully legalize it's really nice to be able to buy some shit sit out back with a bunch of other stoners they had like a dj on saturday nights and stuff it was cool yeah 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 that's what we need like that experience or part of the industry but and then on the hemp side like some kind of regulations or guidance or something you know cannabis is like overdone and hemp is like way underdone it's ridiculous how different the two markets are yeah well one's extremely profitable and one is not as profitable so yeah I mean, uh, you know anymore they can't here in oregon you know they did a significant amount of what i would call double dipping because they took a shitload of tax dollars mm. and they <clears throat> from from growers and then on top of that uh you know still went back and took a bunch of funds to you know go bust you know quote unquote illegal grows and then you know, refuse to answer a bunch of questions about what made, you know, at least certain grows illegal. Like some of them are obvious and, you know, involved in human trafficking and other things, which mm. always pisses me off. Like the local media is always like calling them growers, which are also human traffickers. Like why aren't they human traffickers that are also growers? 
uh, you know, like to me, it just seems like the reason that they're getting busted and, and, and arrested should be that they're trafficking humans, not not the focus being on the fact that they were also growing cannabis. Yeah. So uh, to me, that's like the frustrating part of the double dipping is they'll, they'll even allow a lot of these grows to exist up until they sell a little bit. So they know cash is on hand and then swoop in when they can, they can pick it up. They don't, they don't want to rip plants out of the ground. That's not, you know, like mm. what they want to do. What they want to do is wait till they make a couple of sales and have some cash on hand because then, you know, it can go right to their budget. Anything they seize in, in cash that's related to drug deals, whether it's cannabis or <laughs> him sprayed with Delta eight or meth or heroin or whatever, any cash they seize, they, you know, they can go right into their budget. So, yeah. uh, to me, that that's like double dip. You're already extorting us for tax money, and then you know coming back at whoever you want to um, for for various reasons. Obviously, like I was saying, some of them probably deserve to be taken down, but mm. uh, not necessarily all of them. There was another. They had all task force dedicated to it in Southern Oregon this year, which was really yeah. Sad yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, the hemp growing down there is in Northern California. I mean. It's cool. Like we need that industry too to grow up, but, uh, and be available, but yeah, it's a tricky, like transition situation. That's never going to get it all right, but there's certain scenarios where you're like, that's not definitely not the right way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, You also have, uh, the, um, you know, a lot of CBD smokable flour is is quite expensive in terms of per pound compared to a lot of the THC markets right now. I know in California, If you grew that, you could get, you know, almost more than THC in a lot of cases, um, yeah. as long as it tests right. So definitely Which, something else where you wouldn't think that, you know, a year ago. Well, <laughs> it goes back. It's funny that you say that too. It goes back to that craft point of like people in the cannabis industry actually cared about the product. I think a lot of those growers grew shit uh, crops and just processed a CBD isolate. They didn't care about the flower, what percentage it even had. They were putting like biomass, right? Like thousands of tons just to get CBD isolate out. So I think it's funny, the CBD isolate side is so oversat. I mean, that stuff is so cheap now, but to buy craft hemp, which is where the CBD came from originally is expensive, but the CBD isolate itself is like dirt cheap now. So it's kind of what funny. Is it, what is it like four or 500 a kina? Yeah, maybe less. I had 300. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's really good. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Compared, yeah, it's crazy. It's funny. Oh. Yeah. yeah. In a uh, year before, a bunch of people grew a whole bunch of it that they couldn't even sell. You know, it's like you, you just see these flip flopping of markets that happens um, yeah. in any of these heavily regulated um, or uh, in some cases, like the hemp market, you know, perhaps under regulated. Uh, Mm-hmm. You just see an imbalance and a flip back and forth, which is really just probably indicative of people trying to make money. Uh, again, most of those small growers trying to survive, a bunch of them switched to hemp and then couldn't sell it, switched out, bounced, you know, just people trying to make money. But the, yeah. the, I think the important thing is, is that I firmly believe we would, we would be better off and, and have a more stable market, not only for consumers and patients, but also for growers, if we just had, you know, more of an open system similar to, to Oklahoma that wasn't nearly as limiting specifically on the medical uh, side of things. I just think we need a lot of balancing and it doesn't seem to be trending in the right direction. We seem yeah. to be more on medical. They're trying to, I don't know if they did or not, but they were trying to take our tax break away, which is like one of the, so you basically, 
for those of you who don't know, you don't have to pay taxes if you're a medical patient uh, in a dispensary. You can show them your card and, and not have to pay taxes. That was one of the few benefits of actually uh, getting and registering for the, the card that it takes. You know, it's like 400 bucks or yeah. probably 500 bucks by the time you pay for the appointment to go to the doctor and give them all the records they need and put everything down that, um, you know, you're probably spending 500 bucks to really just grow two additional plants per year than REC allows you to, um, you know, really wasn't worth it for a lot of people. So they saw a huge decline. And now they're taking the tax break away. I know they were at least trying to, I don't know if they have yet. Maybe they have, maybe they didn't, but that, it just kind of tells you where their mindset is just the fact that they're trying to, you know, take whatever's left. I think they want the program to die so they don't have to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They look at it like if it's not making them money, I mean, that's 20%. If you don't, I mean, that's what patients should get, you know, to at least that 20% off, but that's crazy. Most if they take that away for free, like before rec, it was just a, mm-hmm. you know, two pounds a year was standard. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Also, we're, we're talking about full spectrum products. Do you want to touch on that? Um, yeah, I think full spectrum is interesting. Like, on the cannabis side, people are a lot more educated, um, but it's kind of back on the hemp side again. And it's, uh, it's, you know, again, with all the white labeling companies, you see broad spectrum a lot, which means they removed the THC from it um, or full spectrum, which means it's supposed to have, you know, potentially a little bit of THC that like 0.3% um, that they have for the hemp rule. But what I found interesting is like back to craft products versus like these mass produced ones, Every product that I've seen labeled as full spectrum um, as a hemp product, it doesn't show the THC amount on the label. It just says in the back, like really small print, less than 0.3% due by federal law. And uh, I found that interesting because we started in cannabis industry and then we went to the hemp side um, and did that as well only a couple of years ago. But coming from cannabis, like you're telling me you've got THC in that product, but you're not telling me how much is in there, you know? So it less than it could be zero or it's more, but, um, I found that kind of crazy to see on the hemp side that there's the full spectrum hemp products out there, but I haven't seen a single one that will list and actually show you the amount of THC that's in the product. Um, so I think the, yeah, it's the hemp side again, its own beast, but the marketing of it and, you know, full spectrum, broad spectrum, just so many terms that get thrown around, which I think turn a lot of consumers off that could find a benefit or be helped, you know, especially if they're not in a state with a cannabis program. Um, but I found that kind of crazy. It's just, I guess, the lack of regulation and um, guidance around that too. But it seems crazy to me to say there's THC in this, maybe zero, maybe some or more, but I'm not going to tell you how much THC is in it. Um and that's like the norm. That's what almost all the products are doing. So I thought that was crazy. To think about. I don't have the terpenes usually either. Which is no. You're going to advertise no. the full spectrum. Tell me what's in it. That or broad spectrum, which at least, you know, people that might be worried about failing a drug test or maybe scared of THC. Okay. So you put in broad spectrum, but you still don't show the terpene, like what made it broad spectrum. You know, it's like just a marketing term now that's being pretty widely used on the hemp side, but nothing behind it you know no verification no testing so it's kind of you know i don't know cannabis industry has done a lot of things right i think because people are educated that this built the industry um but seeing like the hemp side is like 
bunch of chickens with their head cut off running around in comparison, you know? Yeah. Um, so do you have any uh, interesting content coming up on your show? Uh, maybe stuff that you have recorded uh, that you don't have uh, up yet or any maybe guests that you have booked that you're excited that's coming up that people can look forward to? Um, nothing that's recorded or booked right now. Ironically, like we probably maybe have at most one or two episodes recorded like in the hopper. I almost always just record and then upload like within a day or two. Uh, so we start with like every Monday, you know, get an episode and now we're like at least once a week, there'll be something. And sometimes there's two a week. So, um, nothing recorded, but I do, uh, that paper I mentioned about COVID and CBD, um, we reached out to the researchers on that paper. And so we're hoping we haven't got anything scheduled. Um, but I really want to have them come on just because like, COVID on its own is such like a hot button, like thing to discuss. But what I like about like our show is like, regardless of if you have a political perspective on it, like what did this paper find? How was it studied? Like, what's the certainty? Was it a Petri dish, an animal model? A like I just asked those questions. And so I think it would be interesting to take like such a sensitive topic like COVID, but just go like on the science and what they discovered with CBD um, around COVID. And I've gotten this article uh, emailed to me by like people back in Michigan and like some seniors and elderly people. And so I think that recent article, I don't know if you guys saw it or kind of made a splash for a few days that, that might have increased sales in the hemp industry, like a decent amount. I heard people saying like my aunt's like wants to get CBD now for COVID just in case or something. I'm like, interesting. Yeah, maybe that got some traction. It was CBGA and CBDA, I think it was. Were the two oh, companies. was that in the paper? Okay. Yeah, in the paper, yeah. Um, and, and so that's interesting is it's the, and THCA, I think as well, um, <laughs> was the other one. But what's interesting is it's, it was the, the acid form, right? So you wouldn't want to combust it. So you would want to take that as an edible um, mm -hmm. or, or some kind of other thing like that. You wouldn't want to heat it because um, yeah. that would you know break it down. Yeah. So that was the interesting finding. But what's interesting is that's not the only time they've had findings on this in cannabis. There was also the canflavin B was found by the Taiwanese government uh, or the Thai government rather, uh, not Taiwanese, uh, the Thai government. Um, when they did a study of all the plant compounds that were helpful for cannabis treatment, uh, it was the, mm. a flavonoid in cannabis called canflavin B. Interesting. Uh, was the most useful compound of all the compounds and all the plants they tested in the whole country. So, yeah, the flavonoid, those things are, I mean, there's all these other components of the plant that are interesting and like nobody tests, you know, we talk about terpenes, like we kind of expect it if I'm going to buy a strain or something, but I don't know, maybe I should expect flavonoids as well or something else, you know, but nobody's looking at that other, those other areas really either. Yeah. And who knows what was lost to like genetic, like breeding from the black market days, you know, if something was high in uh, flavonoid why would you keep that? You didn't know that necessarily. You wouldn't keep that strain around. Um, so there's probably a lot of stuff that was lost or could come back, but yeah, I guess it's got to slowly grow with time. I would think about that too, with the super stinky strains, you know, you don't mm. really have that kind of heavy stink anywhere. And it, it wasn't really good for black market people to have a super stinky strain. Right. That was more risk, right? Not only for, for growing, but distribution, right? So yeah. uh, while it was really good to have for smoking, like, that was definitely a downside to that product. So it was definitely something I think that we've bred some of these lines out and you certainly see it with the skunk. I don't remember the last time I smelled anything that smelled like what I remember in high school, you know? What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, could have been. There's some movie, I think it's Will Ferrell. I can't remember what it's called. It was like 10, 15 years ago. And this guy's got like this white powder and it's like cannabis. So it's like THCA isolate or something. And he brings in the drug sniffing dog and he's like, see, the, jo- the dogs can't detect it. And it's like this new technology in the movie. Right. And everyone's amazed. Like, how can the dr- dog not smell like cannabis? You know, but it was just the cannabinoids, which are scentless when they're purified. So a similar thing. Right. Like if you can't smell it. Yeah. When you're trying to evade dogs or sn- drug sniffing dogs and things like that, that like changes literally the market. And then in the future, now we legalize, well, we're kind of building off what we ended with, you know, the genetics that were available in the last 10, 20 years. So who knows what was changed or lost, you know, during the war on drugs. We, uh, we heard some funny stories about that at the Regen conference. Folks were talking about how they allegedly might have sneaked through, you know, one or two different places because they had the wrong kind of smelling weed, uh, allegedly, uh, because dogs, uh, drug dogs, from what I understand, if I remember right, uh, are keyed into caryophylline and myrcene, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, and most cannabis, almost all cannabis has either one most or the do. other or both. But there are some strains that have neither nor. So that's kind of funny, right? Yeah, yep. you can look and test for that. Yeah, which makes sense. If you're going to train a dog, you can't like it can't smell a hundred different components, right? So it just they picked a few of those most common terpenes and trained them on those, which is really what they're sniffing out. So take some black pepper through what's in your pocket or something. <laughs> yeah, we'll do the we'll set them off as well. But you do you have like a relative or something that just they trick on them? <laughs> spray their luggage with those. yeah, yeah. And let them have fun every time they go through the airport. Yeah. That'd be a fun game to play. Be a good most prank. Of the, most of the drug dogs don't actually hit on cannabis anymore. No. Too yeah. many different states now allow it and stuff like that. So there's only a handful of places where you're going to find them. Um, I think I've told everyone my story in Zimbabwe when the dog, dogs didn't hit on the seeds. They weren't too happy uh, really. about that at the airport. But uh, we imported seeds and they were inspecting them and uh, uh, the dogs weren't detecting it and they were not happy about that. Really? That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, there's no terpenes in the seeds, so you're good. But the terpenes are in that environment, so they could probably get the smell on them. Or maybe that's why they're thinking they'll detect them. But they don't know. They probably think if the dog barks, yeah, it proves that the seed is a cannabis plant, right? There's, you can't tell that from smell. That's hilarious. Yeah. Anyways, there's all kinds of funny things. Uh, that, well, there's a story that I think I'll wait a little bit longer to tell one day. I talk, Fumador knows too, the one I'm talking about. Too close? <laughs> too close in time? <laughs> Yeah, it was a couple of years ago, and I have yeah. to go back through that city here before yeah. too long, so I don't want to mention it. But there was a nice. close call in a certain city where they opened up a very terpene-heavy compound and didn't realize what it was. That was pretty entertaining. Yeah. Um, it was cologne, so. Oh, really? That's hilarious. <laughs> but, hey, uh, guys, I got to bounce in like five minutes. Um, sure. I got to go run to something, but got a little extra time. If there was anything else we wanted to hit on or... Yeah, why don't you tell us everybody about how to find you and your website and, yeah. um, you know, uh, how they can check out some of your awesome content. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the uh, Periodic Effects is the name of the podcast. So that's the website, periodicaffects.com, um, any podcast app, our YouTube channel as well, same name. So you can go there. We did build a tool. Um, if you go to periodicsearch.com, it's uh yeah, it's right at the top of the website, a link to it. So we built this tool with a developer. So we've done, you know, going on 250, 300 episodes. It's this tool, when you type in, it's almost like Google, but it searches the subtitles of every episode we've ever done. 
And then it brings up the videos with what you're looking for. And then when you click on them, it starts playing right at the point in the video um, where that's being said. So if you typed in like CBN or, you know, cannabis for sleep or anxiety or something like that is because what we got was like people would reach out and be like, hey, I'm interested in this science topic with cannabis. Have you covered it? And then, you know, it's been doing it five years. I'm like, yeah, we have. I just don't know where it's at in some episode from three years ago. Um, so we built this tool where you can like find, you know, really quickly and easily, like any specific stuff we've covered in the past. Um, so that's a huge educational uh, tool. We share that with a lot of bud tenders and stuff. Um, and then the business side is periodiccaramels.com uh, is our hemp side. And then uh, periodic edibles is the cannabis side. So probably for most listeners, periodiccaramels.com, it's hemp. So we can ship across state lines, direct to consumer. Um, for most states, I think that we only ship to like 42 states. There might be eight we can't uh, ship to. Um, but those are kind of the brands. And then, yeah, mostly podcasts is probably the best place to follow or if you're interested in the science side and a lot of the educational content we put out. Yep, yep. Thank you so much. Uh, it was awesome having you on the show. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy checking out your, uh, <clears throat> your podcast. I've listened to quite a few episodes and I wanted to make try to get you on because you do have a very different uh, podcast than most of the other ones out there. And uh, I always like to try and turn our audience into other good sources of uh, information. So thank awesome. you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, I should have you guys on. Um, it'd be cool to interview you too. I'm really curious about your story of, you know, starting this podcast and someone that started something six years ago um, in the cannabis industry and still going. I'm sure there's a lot of fascinating tales. So we'll have to have you on uh, sometime soon as well yeah, appreciate it so much and awesome. again thanks for doing all the awesome content you do and um everybody be sure to check out his uh, his podcast over at the periodic effects um it's a really really good source of, of information that isn't bro science and there's so <laughs> much uh, bro science and uh, you know high times kind of stuff out there it's nice yeah. to have a good source that's you know heavily vetted uh, and you put a lot of effort into it so thanks a lot for for coming on awesome thanks guys you have a good one i'll talk to you later Cheers. That was awesome. It's always good to have uh, other podcast people. Yeah, on. I have a couple of other podcasters that we're going to have on the next couple of weeks. But uh, um, next up, who do we have on next week? Hold on a second. Also, there's a small chance we're going to have to move next week. I got to jet off to Puerto Rico. I know Boo is me. Um, but uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll have it. Uh, we'll have Pride of Lion Seeds on, That's which fun. will be uh, a lot of fun. He's a super cool guy. We hung out, sorry about the cat in the back. We had a super, uh, super cool time with him out at the Regen Conference. And we're excited to have him on the show. He's a very nice guy and uh, does a lot of awesome seeds. Uh, we get a bunch of auto flowers from him that I'll be popping. And uh, I don't normally grow autos, so I'm excited. Um, and uh, yeah, um, but uh, how, how's it going, Fumi? Uh, what's new hey, with you? Man. Uh, what's new? Oh, I don't know. Uh, same old, same old. Been working on the the... Regen Conference is a bit of uh, why, why, why am I, it sounds so loud today. I don't know. Something's wrong with the audio today. But anyway, uh, perhaps it's just in my ears. Uh, just working on that, doing different stuff, catching up on all kinds of different stuff. Uh, funny how being gone or out of town or whatever for five days can like set you back somehow, like you know, all kinds of different ways. It's funny. But anyway, so catching up on all kinds of different stuff. But uh, I don't know. I guess that's not that exciting. Same shit, different day. Whatever. 
Yeah, I've been, uh, I got a big oper operation. I've been doing a bunch of projections for and a That's bunch cool. of uh, engineering for out here. So that'll be cool right later on when I can start showing you guys that. Uh, it's uh, about 45 minutes from where I'm living. So it's not too far, not too close. Uh, and fun. then also um, just have a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, going to be hanging out with um, uh, Jordan River again here beginning of March. He's coming out. We're going to do some more filming and stuff. It'll be fun. Uh, we have the Regen Conference at the end of the month. That'll be awesome out in Michigan. Looking forward to seeing everybody out there. It's always a lot of fun out at uh, Grow Green MI. Uh, it's a really cool spot. And uh, you guys are always super awesome out there in Michigan. Looking forward to seeing a lot of you guys and uh, out there. Um, what else coming up? Um, working on some of the Regen stuff, just editing up some of the video stuff a little bit and trying to organize all that stuff on my computer. Uh, at least a little bit that I have on, on, the, on that stuff. And then, uh, I don't know, um, just kind of swamped work right now. I have a, a project in Oregon as well I'm working on that'll be a, a mushroom and, and plant project as well. So they're going to be going for their psilocybin uh, application here uh, in November, December, whenever that application process opens up. So I'm super stoked on, on that as well. Um, kind of fun to step into that realm here. Uh, on the legal side of things. Uh, certainly oh, fun, yeah. I think um, a lot of people, so. folks that we know would be uh, really excited to work on mushrooms. I think, honestly, a guy like Coot would be more excited to work on mushroom project than on a cannabis project, that's for sure. Yeah. If you were yeah. to bring him back like Al Pacino, you know. <laughs> Thought I was out, but they pulled me back in. Right. Wouldn't it be funny to see Coot do that, too? Because he's a fan yeah, of the Godfather. Fire yeah. inspector shows up. He no, might not be a fan of the Godfather three though. A lot of a lot of Godfather fans consider that to be not part of the Godfather series. Now that I think about it, Godfather three, aka Godfather what? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're working on some cool some cool projects on that space here, and at the end of the year, and then. Uh, uh hopefully be off to uh jamaica at some point in the next couple of months for a week or two as a project on there i'll be working on so i got a, a lot of traveling and a lot of a lot of cool places to run off to i think uh i think it's, at some point next week i'll be in the caribbean which will be nice just a few days you? To, to relax for a minute but also work <laughs> it's not, it's a work trip but you always get one or two days to fuck off so excited about that Shabby. Right on. Um, and then what else? Uh, we just have a bunch of cool guests lined up. We have Mean Gene and Mendocino lined up for the uh, when is he on? On the 2nd of March or 3rd of March. And then we have um, Jackson Gross, uh, who's the head of UC Davis's aquaculture and aquapro aquaponics program uh, coming on. So he's a really cool guy. He works on a lot of really cool projects. They have one where they're doing like abalones and urchins uh, and selling the roe from the urchins and growing seaweed and doing like aquaponics with the abalone production it's really really dope and a bunch of just like really cool weird chemistry stuff with with aquaponics so uh excited to have him on and talking to us about you know what uc davis is working on as well um so that's that's gonna be a lot of fun and then we have some other cool guests lined up after that so uh, also, be sure to check out the Regenerative Conference. I should probably pull that side. Hold on. Sorry, I'm a little bit tired today. I've been working like crazy this week, so I'm a little bit tired. Um, all right, here we go. 
tentatively. I think I'll be in Michigan as well. We'll see. Nice. Hell yeah. Um, we got uh, Kevin Jodry, uh, Susan Maynard Evans, Chris Trump, Eric Branstead, Joshua Steensland, myself, uh, Dr. Lane. Uh, we have uh, Wade Laughter uh, via video. Uh, and um, yeah, we have a whole bunch of other awesome breeders, uh, tons of local breeders from Michigan. We have some other cool local speakers uh, as well. Uh, those are all up on the um, uh, Instagram over on uh, Dutch Blooms or um, regenerative cannabis on on there you can check out the uh, the conferences and again it's it's three days of of education you can hang out most of the speakers are there for the the whole conference uh, and um it's a really really cool experience <clears throat> to have all these wonderful and experienced growers and breeders uh, at this um uh, event and a huge seed swap on sunday so um the uh if you have a, a you know looking for seeds or you're looking for um you know certain things uh, you also get seeds as well i think as part of your ticket i don't remember um, but you certainly have that awesome seed swap on sunday to get all kinds of goodies uh, i know uh we both got quite a few things there uh, on, on sunday so but i always get uh, a lot of cool stuff just bring something to trade you know uh, everybody's got something that they got a little bit extra of uh, just bring what you can and uh and you'll have a good time. Okay. All right. And then you guys can also find us at um, apmjclass.com. Sorry, I'm just tired today, guys. Uh, here we go. So you can check out this class. Marty and I have uh, two live sessions every month. And then we also have uh, over 700 slides of content. We're adding new content all the time. We have an insect guide, uh, pest management uh, uh, slides, all kinds of uh, awesome resources on there, uh, all the test kits that you need, all the different stuff that you need to actually get started and get going and, and fine tune what you're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, check it out if it's uh, kind of the education that you're looking for. And um, yeah, I'm tired today, so I think we're going to wrap the show unless you have anything else. Sounds that you good. Mention. No, man, I don't have any... Uh great ideas for the show suddenly i whip a rap rabbit out of the hat like song and dance routine and stuff not today no. exactly no none um, of that you want to tell Monty, to find, all that kind of stuff that's it you want to tell everybody how to find you and uh and your site and stuff easiest way simplest and easiest way ladies and gentlemen let me see that's not the right tab to open but i could open up a new window right here Come join me over at the uh, website that I built. Okay, that's kind of strange because that makes it sound like I'm there all the time. I'm not actually living inside my website. That'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Like just living in a website, kind of like in a van down by the river or something. Anyway, I, I promise that's not the case right here. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, if, if there were space in this website to live, I would definitely be uh, housing rabbits or something instead. That was weird. Now no one's going to visit this website. I must have smoked the really good stuff before I got to this intro. <laughs> Go take a look at Fumadoro.com. Uh, contact Fumadoro right there. Uh, we have a Discord we have lots of fun at. Uh, you can email me if you have any questions, comments, concerns. I've got some strains. If you guys would like to take a look at uh, genetic preservation kit, they are often called. Morgana is a big favorite. Lime River Rose, another favorite. Another one I like is Black Prince Ruby. There's a couple special deals on the top right there. Three packs. So, ladies and gentlemen, take a look. Thank you. It's got some super great seeds. I know a lot of people that are killing it with them. I haven't had a chance to grow any yet, but uh, I've been running around a lot. And I, haven't, I haven't had the time, but I definitely have some people that I want to get some 
some seeds for out here for this, especially this larger grow that we're working on. Uh, that we're we're starting. It'd be to fun start. to it'd be fun to see like a, a big old field of Morgana, all right? the freaking beautiful colors. We have we can definitely do an acre or two of it. We have plenty of room. Okay, cool. Um, they're doing quite a few acres, so uh, it'll be fun. Um, That's what I hear. <laughs> but uh, alrighty, guys, you guys can find me at um, Potent Ponics on SoundCloud, iTunes, um, all the things, uh, Spotify. Um, we're not pulling our stuff from Spotify. I just want to stay that. Oh, because of George. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> we're not, we're Technically, not, I'm not either, I guess. So apparently, I'm, I guess I've made my call. I haven't really thought about it that deeply, I have to be honest. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Joe Rogan anymore. I used to be a fan. I thought he was hilarious. His comedy was hilarious and stuff, but I'm not a big fan anymore. But I'm probably I think Joe Rogan's still better and more interesting to listen to than Neil Young. I can't really argue with that. I have to be frank. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, I still wouldn't listen to Joe Rogan, but anyway, it is what it is. All righty. Well, on that note, um, we'll catch you guys next week. Uh, and again, we're we're going to have an episode on Thursday. We, there's a small chance if I have no internet or something like that down in Puerto Rico um, that uh, it's going to be a problem. Uh, if not, uh, I will... Uh, See you guys uh, maybe the following week or as soon as I get back, we'll we'll get him on and uh, and maybe do two episodes that following week just uh -huh. to catch up. So. Sounds good. All righty. And then also we won't have an episode the last week of this month on the 24th. Uh, we won't have one because I will be traveling and doing the regen thing. So uh, I just won't have time to do one. That, but maybe we'll do a quick live or something with a bunch of the people That'd hanging out. that be fun. Yeah, man. We'll uh, impromptu interview or something. All right, guys. Take it easy. Peace. Adiós.